You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit, one podcast at a time. Booze, alcohol, wine, liquor, spirits, whatever you want to call it. Happy mummy juice, some people would say. I'm talking about alcohol. And uh, there's always a lot of questions that come at me about how much booze you need to buy. What do you do if people don't drink? What do you do if you don't drink? How do you mix cocktails? How much time should you have for a cocktail hour? These are questions that as a wine drinker and supposed enthusiast, I just like wine, I could have a guess at. But I thought what a better way to do it is to find an expert that can actually answer these questions, who knows what she's talking about, and who's launching an amazing company that you're going to love and uh, lose your shit over like I did when I heard about it. Jackie Strum, welcome to the Bride Chiller podcast. Great. Thanks for having me here. Oh my gosh. It's absolutely my pleasure. Jackie, you are about to launch a brand new business called Thirsty Nest, which I love the name, and I'm so intrigued, and I want you to share exactly what you're doing, because I think a lot of our listeners will go, oh, that's a good idea. Why didn't anyone think of doing that before? (laughs) Sure. Uh, Yeah, so about almost exactly a year ago, um, I got married, which was really fun, Uh, but in the lead up to it, once I got engaged, uh, this idea came about because I... um, had to set up my registry. So my wedding registry for not only the wedding itself, but the engagement party, the bridal shower, everything else that's in kind of the the usual suspects of the wedding. Um, And I realized I just had kind of run out of things to register for before we even had the first event. (laughs) And that was because, you know, I was almost 30. I'd been living with my fiance for a couple of years in a tiny apartment in Manhattan. And, you know, we're grownups. So we had a lot of grown-up stuff. We had uh, plates and cookware. You know, I was feeding myself like, you know, normal person. And uh, <laughs> we didn't need like every last item that they kind of uh, pressure you to get when you're in a typical department store with that registry gun. It just started to feel a little frivolous. Like there are a few things I needed, but I didn't need a full household's worth of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I started looking into this and I realized it's because most people are getting married much later than what the registry industry was sort of originally set out to solve. Mm. Um, it used to be that people were like only 20 or 22 in the sixties buying a house, moving out of the city and filling it with every last thing they needed right when they were getting married. But now the age is much later. It's, um, late twenties. Uh, sometimes early 30s is the new average, um, which means there's like a whole new need state for where people are when they're actually registering. Uh, And a little bit about my background is I'm a wine and spirits industry person by trade. I grew up in the industry and I thought back to my experience in the world of wine and spirits and realized, wow, that is a really great gift, Mm. wine. Um, And it's something that feels like something you might not have by the time you're getting married. You don't typically have your first home bar fully uh, planned out or a wine cellar, all the accessories you need, because that's even more kind of grown up feeling than just the the plates and uh, forks and stuff. Um, And I thought, wouldn't that be an amazing gift? Um, And you're not really accumulating it like you would with China or vases or any of those kinds of things. It feels more like you're collecting experiences for the future. Um, Something that's feels slightly less frivolous than maybe just like a really pretty, I don't know, coaster or something. Yeah. 
Something you'd uh, never look at ever again or, or put in a cupboard and, gosh, we've got precious little cupboard space as it is. I'm obsessed with cupboard space. I don't need any, any extra shit, to be honest. <laughs> exactly. And not only that, like something you have to just return. <laughs> Which is what I ended up doing with so many of the gifts my mom's friends got me. Sorry. Um, but I had- I had to return almost every single thing and I was like, you know, this is crazy. Like what an, what an impractical way to gift somebody. Um, and so that's where the concept came for uh, Thirstiness, which is the first wine and spirits and drinkware wedding registry on the market. Our mutual friend, Brittany, she has a wonderful company called Happily Ever Borrowed and it is an accessories rental company. And she said, I've got a friend called Jackie. She's launching this amazing business. I think it's totally up the bride chiller alley. And when she explained it to me, like in a two line uh, email, I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. Because I feel in the same way as you that we spend money or we ask people to buy us stuff that we don't need. And I literally, mm-hmm. when she sent this email, it took Rich and I back to this moment. We were in a department store in Australia over the Christmas holidays and we saw a couple walking around with that little gun mm-hmm. and she kept looking. They were in the homewares, sort of the cutlery, crockery area, and they were both bored out of their minds, zapping <laughs> shit. You know that they don't want. Right. And then him going, I don't want that. What the fuck am I going to do with that? And they're having this like full on argument over <laughs> oh, I don't, like implements, like stupid things. And we were just like, what are, what's going on? This is this what we've gotten to now that we feel like we have to add all this stuff because it's the done thing, but they're never going to use it. As you said, they'll probably return it and it will mm-hmm. become a chore for them. So to me, when, when this sort of idea came up, I was like, well, this makes a lot of sense because I think really nice bottle of wine, as you said, accessories, we all want to pretend we're in Mad Men. It's a good idea. Exactly. Yeah, there's actually um, something in the market, just from my background, that we call the general madman effect on the public. Oh. Co- cocktails are wildly popular now. So it's not just your vodka sodas. Uh, people are making old fashions at home and trying to really craft their own tastes. And yeah, I mean, we want to be able to uh, give people the tools to do that. Um so we can all be a little Don Draper if we want. <laughs> Without the alcoholism, obviously. Um, obviously, yeah. I mean, if I could day drink like that guy, I would be, well, I'd probably have problems. Let's just say I'd yeah. probably need to go to some <laughs> sort of rehab. But I uh, I agree with you. I love a cocktail. I love a cheeky cocktail. Really, mm-hmm. really enjoy a bit of a mixology. Do we, do we care about mixologists or is that wanky? Uh, I love a good, I, I mean, I still call them bartenders, but thank you. Thank you. curious about it. Um, like make a good drink, make a good drink to be a bartender. <laughs> you don't have to be a psychologist. Can we just go back to bartender? Cause I feel like it's like, you know, let's all just relax. They make a good drink. We don't need a fancy name, but maybe mixologist. If you're a mixologist listening and you want to fight me on that, I'm up for it. I'm up for it. <laughs> yeah. I think it depends on you ask you ask because everybody has a different political agenda with that I think I feel, like, I feel like a different pay rate might be for mixologist and bartender maybe it takes you up a notch I don't know probably probably, probably. <laughs> certainly you can charge more for the drink exactly <laughs> an extra 10 bucks on board I'm a mixologist if you can exactly. but if you can chuck the thing like Tom Cruise you know extra points for entertainment now Jackie I am delighted to share this time with you today because as I said in the intro I get asked a lot of questions about the well 
so many different questions about alcohol, about how much we should buy, where we should buy it from. Should we have a proper bartender? Should Auntie Carol be mixing cocktails? I mean, there's so many questions <laughs> and uh, it panics me a little bit because this is why I get experts on the show to take the heat off me. So we've got a lot to cover in the next half an hour and uh, where should we start? I, I don't know. Where would you like to start with your super advice? Sure. Well, a question I get asked a lot is, how to buy for your wedding. Yes. I guess the, the kind of bar, a lot of people similar to the pressure to register a certain way. People feel pressured to have a certain kind of bar. Um, and I think that that's similar to, I love the, just the ethos of all the episodes you have uh, where just do what makes you happy. And that's, that's really what I would want to say about setting up your bar. Um, mm. And I may have said that kind of strangely, but no, I like well, strangers how we roll on the okay. show, Jackie. So don't you worry about that. No, but I mean, okay. I think I agree. And I mean, one of the things that <laughs> I've put up a, a couple of questions over the past few months on Instagram, I love to get bright chiller and groom chiller feedback. And one question that always kicks up a storm is about cash bars. And also, can you do half and half? You know, people have got very firm opinions on alcohol distribution and who should be paying for what. What are yeah. your thoughts on it all? Well, I think there's three things to know when you're setting it up. The first thing is to know your budget, just like anything else at the wedding. Um, know your crowd, your guests. And the third would be know your timing, which means time of day or year. Um, but starting with your budget, I mean, there's really three levels you can go for if you don't want to do a cash bar and you don't have to have a full bar to mm. start. Uh, having wine and beer alone is a great option. It doesn't have to be a full-blown like back bar with everything from like your Johnny Walker blue labels to, you know, the Belvedere. Uh, it could just be some, a great selection of local beer and wine and call it a day and people will drink enough to have fun. I mm. promise you. Mm. Um, or a kind of middle ground is a limited bar. So, um, depending on what your taste is, most people you would want to have wine and beer, but then there's really only a few um, absolute ne necessities on the liquor side, and that would be whiskey, gin, and vodka. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have every spirit under the sun. People always order the similar things. And then the last would be obviously a full-blown bar, but even there you don't have to get the top, top tier. Um, and all of that can be uh, kind of negotiated depending on your venue. A lot of people don't realize if depending on where you live, you can actually bring in your own alcohol. Um, what's called like BYO or corkage fee. And you can save a ton of money doing that. The idea of being open with your venue and actually sort of saying, what are the rules? What can, what can we bring in? What can we negotiate with you? Cause I think if you don't ask, they're obviously right. going to go buy booze from us. If you don't sort of say, Hey, what are your licensing deals? Will you allow this to happen? Absolutely. And it's just like a restaurant. Restaurants make most of their money on alcohol caterers. Um, they'll hate me for saying this, but a lot of them make a lot of their money on alcohol because it's it's a higher margin product than the food. So uh, if there's a way to get around that to shave a few dollars off, um, I'm all for it. Me too. I'm always like support the smaller companies, but also we know that the Costco's and all the bigger brands, if you're buying lots of liquor and stuff like that, you can also return it. You look at their policies, I suppose. Mm -hmm. That's true. But who wants to return boots? Just drink it. Right. I agree. Just keep it. <laughs> 
How much fun. Someone told me for their first year they drank champagne, their first year of being married almost every uh, week. And I was like, that's fabulous. I support that. We had yeah. leftover. We went and bought a whole lot of uh, – we actually had a deal in Australia. I don't know if this is the same. Look, we're check your specials basically. But Woolworths in Australia is one of our major supermarkets and they have a, they have a company called BWS, not sponsored by any of these people. But they used to do a deal if you bought 10 bottles of alcohol, you'd get – I think it was 20% off. Wow. Yeah. So we, over the six month period of before our wedding, would go in, we'd get paid and we had this list of booze we wanted to buy. So we (laughs) would go in, we'd buy the booze, we'd get the 20% off and then we hid it in our apartment building garage in our sort of locker. And we would check it like every second day because we were obsessed with someone robbing all our booze because I thought that I would just cry. But (laughs) we accumulated, yeah, they didn't rob it. Uh, We hid it very well. (laughs) But we accumulated this alcohol over, you know, the six-month period. And so it Mm -hmm. it didn't dent our budget as much. Um, And also we totally overbought and had the same problem, which was a happy problem of having lots of champs afterwards. Yeah, I mean, of all the problems to have when planning a wedding, excess alcohol is not the worst one. (laughs) It is A-OK. And you need it afterwards. A couple of bottles of champagne afterwards just to come down. Yeah, not bad. So these are the three options that you gave then. It was great because I think some people assume that you need to have this sort of big, big full bar and you need to offer every drink under the sun where, you know, realistically, if you're paying for it all, you need to work to your limits and, and also figure out what sort of, you know, night you want. You don't want to be serving hard liquor straight up, do you? Because people get messy. Right. Exactly. Um, I sort of uh, mention that a lot when people ask me about their signature cocktail. Mm. Um, and I always say to try and make it low alcohol. Um, that's another good way to cut the cost of the bar is to make your signature cocktail a batched cocktail and make that the only spirit you serve at the wedding. Um, and just do a, a very simple like punch or something along those lines that you can control the amount of booze in it. Mm. Uh, so people don't go crazy, especially when the weather's hot. Um, if you have a summer wedding, it's very easy to drink a little too much. So, oh, Eve, uh, is it ever? Yeah, and um, especially when people. Yeah. I've noticed a couple of weddings we've been to when they've had a longer after the ceremony and they have a little cocktail hour and they go off and get photos. And we've had you know sometimes two hours of standing around and just watching people get sloshed in that mm-hmm. two hour period, and then you've got the rest of the night or the afternoon to stay upright. It can get, people can go a bit nuts. Absolutely. Yeah. One of my, I actually just designed a signature cocktail for my brother-in-law because he came to me and told me he wanted to do an old fashioned. And I said, no, no way. (laughs) Please let me design something for you. Everyone will be drunk before we even start dancing. So, um, yeah, I made something custom for him that followed. I have these like kind of four rules that I like to call out, which is, um, low alcohol, like we mentioned, making it very pretty and photogenic, which is second. The third is making it something that's really easy to replicate because the bartenders are probably the busiest people at the wedding. Yeah. Um, And then lastly, making it yours, make it personal in some way. Um, And yeah, something like I know the old fashions are so trendy right now, but they will just like ruin your guests. Oh my God. I'm like two old fashions and I'm under a table. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, My favorites are like a spritz because they're, they're really pretty and there's a little bit of actually seltzer in them. They're kind of like a fancy sounding wine cooler. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, anything that you can do to make it a little bit less of that like all booze stirred cocktail, um, you'll thank yourself at the end because everyone will have a better time. 
Yeah, you don't want you don't want some sort of messy groomsman that's like, I love you, you know, an hour in. It's like right. step back, bro. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, groomsman, that was a little cliche, but you keep doing it, guys. Just relax. Do. Just... Actually, it was my bridesmaids at my wedding. Who <laughs> <Were> they? <laughs> yeah. They're like martinis, right? And I was like, I don't know, guys. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe just a glass of water. Yeah, exactly. So we had a signature cocktail and we did a peach schnapps, like a, a Bellini, uh, and we called it Schnappily Ever After. And it was a little kooky, but it was so simple. And it was literally the schnapps and the, the Prosecco. We hid Prosecco in it because we were like, ah, oh, it's cheap and nasty, but it doesn't matter because it's got the schnapps in it. And exactly. It was easy and it wasn't too boozy. You know, it was, it was fruity. Right. Yeah. That's a perfect idea. And there's a lot of, you can have a lot of fun naming them. We actually had a similar name. My uh, new last name is Asher. So we did happily ever Asher was our name. I love it. Um, But yeah, that's a really fun piece. And also the menu itself can be really like Instagram friendly. And I think anything cutesy you can interject that's personal is, is fun. I love talking about alcohol. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I sound like a total. I know. Well, look, and I sound like a total booze hound, but we're talking classy alcohol. And uh, after the break, a little bit about alcohol distribution, about how much we need to buy, but also we're going to talk about buying alcohol as a gift. And Jackie, I believe you're going to give us some shortcuts to sound like a wine pro. I will, yes. Uh, the next time you go and purchase a <laughs> bottle of wine. This is the Bride Chiller Podcast. We are speaking with the lovely Jackie from the very newly launched Thirsty Nest. And there will be more after this. Bride Chillers and Groom Chillers, very happy to be joined by Jackie. She's going to debunk some myths, give us some wonderful pro-sounding wine words. And we're also going to be talking a little bit more about buying alcohol as a gift because I often walk in to uh, what Australians are called bottle shop uh, or some sort of liquor store, and it can be a little overwhelming looking at the rows and rows of wine. So I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts, Jackie, on how to spot a good bottle of wine. Surely it's not just the price tag. Please debunk that for me. No, it's not. (laughs) I actually always tell people the more you drink, the more you learn, and you could spend $15 every day and learn quite a lot. So there's a lot of good wine out there for a lower price tag. There's a lot of wines like that. I think for uh, gifting, it's nice to do something that's a little more personal for the couple too. And something that you feel like it can age a little while, like even five, 10, or there's wines that can age 25 years. Oh my God. So you'd have to really know that they're in for the long haul together. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would want that if someone gave me a bottle of wine that's for 20 years, I would just want that in some sort of written contract to say, who's getting that wine? (laughs) What's happening? A prenup just for the booze, I think, yeah. is a great idea. Booze prenup. Let's write that up. I'm sure some lawyer out there is thinking about it going, I'm going to cash in on the booze prenup. That's what's it's a great happening. idea. <laughs> just to hark back a little bit to the actual wine for an event, what mm-hmm. do you think about buying wine in bulk? How, do you have advice about how to pick it, how to make sure you get really good sort of standard wines? What are some of the – if you were to pick a white and a red – there's a lot of choices, and I don't mean even about brands, but I mean, what style of wine do you think is a good all-round choice for people? Sure. So when I'm picking wine for any kind of event, I typically like to have four options. Um, and it can vary depending on if it's summer or winter, but I want to have one really light white, mm. like a Sauvignon Blanc. Um, that could be from New Zealand. It could be from 
Bordeaux. It could be from anywhere. Typically, Sauvignon Blanc has a really bright acidity, so it's really refreshing. Yes. Um, it's, my dr- I, it's my drink of choice. It is, yes. I love it also. Um, <laughs> and then I love to have a rosé because, I mean, who doesn't love rosé? Mm. <laughs> it just goes with everything, even beyond just having it on its own. It's a great food pairing wine, which actually doesn't get a ton of credit for. Mm. Um, it's very versatile and it has like a lot of bright fruit, so it's accessible and easy to drink. Um, and then if you're, if it's a winter wedding, um, maybe both a light red and a dark red. So light red would be like a Pinot Noir, um, Mm. or a Barbera, uh, usually in a cooler climate. And that means literally any country that seems like it's cold. So (laughs) a a lot of people that get, uh, there's a lot of terms in the industry that can kind of, I think, confuse people, but weather is based on looking at a globe and deciding, is that country cold? I bet their Pinot Noir will be a little lighter. And the mm. same thing goes for, for um, the heavier red. If it's a warmer country or a warmer state um, in the U.S., that red's going to be a lot bigger, a lot rounder, a lot bolder. So thinking about Australia, obviously, mm-hmm. any Shiraz or um, Cabernet from there is going to be a lot bolder than a Cabernet from, say, upstate New York, which they do grow that stuff there. And it's delicious, but it is very different because it's colder. So that's just a little, like, kind of tactic to help in terms of purchasing but yeah i usually do soft blanc rosé pinot and a cab would be like a few good um ones to stick to to have a nice mix and what do you think about numbers because i'm always sort of torn and there are lots of calculators online and i think there's lots of different opinions but it's quite hard finding a balance with going all right you've got nana who might have a glass of wine perhaps and then you've got gary your cousin (laughs) who's going to drink until he's fucking you know unconscious and then sorry gary don't invite him he sounds like a jerk um gary doesn't sound like a jerk fuck <laughs> off gary um but then <laughs> but then you know it, it's hard to go because we did the maths and was like oh, i don't know on a good night i might have three or four glasses of wine at a celebration but then i might you know be drunk after two so who knows it's not about getting drunk guys responsible um but you know it, it's hard to figure out your distribution. Do you have any tips for that choice? Yeah. So I would say knowing your audience is a good thing. However, thinking about averages. um, So typically I recommend one serving per guest per hour. So let's say your wedding's about six hours, uh, start to finish, and there's a hundred guests. That's, it sounds crazy, but about 600 servings. So not every guest is going to have one per hour, but there are some guests that may have two per hour. So it kind of ends up yeah, it's always Gary. He's always Loving doing him. that. <laughs> so you want to kind of think about the middle road because um, the people who uh, don't drink as much will balance out those who do, if you will. Um, and so kind of figuring out that uh, number. But again, like it really depends where you are. I've heard that apparently New- I'm a New Yorker. Uh, people in the Northeast tend to drink more than those <laughs> on the West Coast. So, I mean, that might be a little generous. Um but that's my understanding as a good average. Uh, and a good rule of thumb is a wine bottle is four servings. A bottle of liquor is about 18 servings. That's assuming one and a half ounces per drink. And mm-hmm. then obviously a beer is one. Great. There you go. Yeah. Maths, guys. Do some maths. Think about who you know. Think about how they behave normally. And then mm-hmm. double it. <laughs> Exactly. And uh, we'll be putting up actually an article on Thirsty Nest with giving you a calculator to do this. So if that's helpful, everyone's welcome to check out the website as well. Great. I will link to that in today's show notes. I think we're going to have a fabulous, I know we're going to have a fabulous blog with all of these tips. So we will uh, link to the calculator and you can start doing some booze maths. Great.
That sounds My great. favorite kind of math, actually. Me so. too. Let's get that going. <laughs> now, I want to talk about alcohol as a gift because I actually think, going back to the registry thing, that um, it's a really nice idea to be gifting someone, especially if you don't feel comfortable with the cash or if you don't, you know, you want to actually give them a physical item. It, mm-hmm. It's a really nice idea to say celebrate your first anniversary with this gorgeous bottle of, of Plonk. So how I'm, I've, I've been very lucky. I've seen a little sneak peek into mm-hmm. the thirstiness world before you've mm-hmm. launched it. And you've got a lovely variety and I love your descriptions because I think it can be quite overwhelming to look at something and go, I just don't know what what people's tastes are, but also if how we judge if it's a good bottle of wine. I don't know all the lingo. I find it confusing. And I just think about Sideways, the movie, which I'm sure you're sick of people talking <laughs> about. <laughs> yep. All the time. Um, yeah, well, something we tried to do on Thirsty Nest was to take that guesswork out. So mm-hmm. we tag bottles based on what anniversaries they're best for because I'll be frank, it is hard to know if something is going to age 10 years without asking someone who really knows the wine. Um, yeah. I think it's just guessing. Uh, but I, I ask professionals all the time and I am never embarrassed to get a second opinion. So whether that's walking into a wine and spirit shop and asking the guy who works there or something like Thirsty Nest where we have a lot of that guidance there for you, um, I think it can help you really feel confident in gifting something you know will last them a long time because it is very hard to know. Um, and an- another thing I like about uh, gifting wine is you can kind of make it a holistic gift, especially on, on our site. You can actually give what I've been calling the hardware and the software. Oh, yeah. So the hardware is the glasses, the decanter, the opener, and the software is the, the wine that you're continuing to refill. Um, <laughs> another gift that I helped a friend create for one of her best friends is getting married, and they met in uh, New Orleans. So we made this kind of holistic gift that was a Sazerac cocktail from start to finish. So all of the um, tools you would need, the custom, the, like the famous glass the Sazerac is served in, the um, shaker and the bar spoon, and then all the spirits you would need to make that cocktail. So they can make it as one of their first things in their home bar together. That's so fun. And it's creative. I think I hadn't even thought of being able to do that, that you could you could design a cocktail and say, this is I've made this for you. It'd be, it's a nice, like, thoughtful thing that's, like, one step beyond just gifting them a bottle um, to be able to make something that's almost like a, a basket, in a way, of things that make sense for them. Um, yeah, I think that's helpful for gifting, especially. I haven't asked you this, but are you selling the trolleys? Like bar carts? Yeah. Yes, we oh are. Oh, my God. See, we were talking about Mad Men. That's what I think about. As the, I like a bar cart. I feel like okay. we don't have any room in our flat, but I feel like I need a bar cart. Yes, yep, four, and I already am trying to get one of the samples for my own apartment, oh my so God. <laughs> I'm hoping they'll give it to me. <laughs> I feel like, you know, it's just it's, it's something to go, I'm a grown-up and I can mix a cocktail, even though I really just, if I go back, we've got all this uh, liquor in our, it's like all this liquor, but we collect, when I go, I'm going to make a this cocktail, and I get all the ingredients, and then, you know, you make it once, and then you forget you even have that liquor, so I feel like if mm-hmm. it's on the trolley, you could get right. a bit more creative because it's out in the open and you want to be flashy. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and spirits bottles are always really pretty, right? Like some yeah. of them are, are beautiful colors or they have these kind of antique looking bottles and uh, they try to typically keep that tradition alive. So sometimes they're just like these gorgeous bottles that I'm happy to display. So I love bar carts for that reason. One of our happiest uh, moments of our wedding, we, we put everyone on a bus and sent them away and we stayed in this lovely house and a couple of our friends slipped over uh, on the evening of our wedding. And I mm-hmm. really love Frangelico. 
And uh, it's really weird because we have not been able to buy Frangelico in the United Kingdom. It's really strange. Really, It's a hazelnut liqueur made in Italy. And yeah. you think it would be here. But in Australia, it just seems to be one of those um, after-dinner sort of liqueurs. And I like it with fresh lime just on ice. And um, we bought a bottle of Frangelico and we all sat around the fire and we had this little nip of Frangelico at the end of the night. And it wasn't like we were... I felt quite sober at the end of our wedding. I, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny how much you think, are oh, you going to get boozed up with all the champagne? But I think with all the energy and the moving and the eating and the dancing, mm-hmm. I was pretty sober. But it was a really nice moment to sit around and enjoy this very sort of like quiet moment with our friends. And, you know, it was just a nice little touch. So I'm so glad that Richard thought to go, oh, we'll bring the Frangelico because it was one of those little, oh, that's a treat. That's delicious. Yeah. That's so sweet. That sounds like a really nice memory. It was lovely and it was so low key and we all sort of just talked about the night and um, as we got married in winter so it was sort of all cosy and, mm. yeah, it was just a really nice moment. It was sort of intimate and, and you know, downplayed. But it was one of those things that, um, you know, would have probably been just as nice without the booze, but it was a lovely little touch. So good on right. your husband for packing it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It sounds like there's a gift in in order for you, which is for Angelico and your anniversary. Yeah, <laughs> well, <I> <laughs> probably, we'll probably be ordering it from Thirsty Nest to get it imported from another country because <laughs> I don't know why Brits don't like to drink Frangelico. What are you doing, people? <laughs> now, let's talk a little bit about wine lingo because – I've gone on a couple of wine tastings Mm -hmm. and you always meet, it's always one guy that seems to, he's done a course. He thinks Uh he's, (laughs) I'm going to say this wrong, a sommelier. How do you say that? Sommelier. A sommelier. Uh And he swirls it and he looks for the legs. I know that. And then says a lot of bullshit and you go, I don't (laughs) quite believe you know what you're talking about, but you feel you need to tell us about it. Shushies. So can, can you arm us with some good wine talk to overcome that guy in the sure. future? Thank you. Well, I'll tell you, if that guy says legs, that's actually a thing people who typically don't know that much about wine say. So next time he says that you can be like, uh, I think that you're wrong. People don't know very much about wine. <laughs> so legs, is like, I have so many people asking about them. I'm not sure where it started, but... Oh. Um, it really just has to do with how much sugar is in it and alcohol. Uh, and that's kind of about it. So if something like take honey, for example, if honey were dripping down the side of your glass, it would have really like thick, long legs. But that doesn't mean that it tastes very good. You know what I mean? Mm. So when we're talking so, about is when we're swirling the wine and you see it stick up the side of the wine glass. That's a very crude way of saying what I think it is. Correct yeah, me, but it sort of doesn't really give you any good information as to whether or not it's good. I'm not mm. sure where it came from, but and it's one of my favorite myths to debunk. So next time he says that, you can let him know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and you know, I mean, look, the wine taste is always that dude. So get ready. Okay, so that's bullshit. Let's ditch that. Great. Call bullshit on legs. Um, <laughs> another thing that's good to call bullshit on would be uh, sulfites, which is a, a common thing that a lot of people are scared of, but. Mm. Sulfites are actually really common in a lot of food, and there are some people who are allergic to them. That is true, but um, they're probably not the ones in wine that you're allergic to. If you're concerned that you are allergic to sulfites, just eat one dried apricot, which have way more sulfites than wine. And if you have an allergic reaction, then you might actually have an, have a situation where you can't drink them. But otherwise, it's in most wine, and it really doesn't affect you. It just is a natural 
Uh, is that what some wine companies are sort of saying? Oh, no sulfates, so you don't get a hangover. Is that rubbish? Uh, I yes, it is because <laughs> <laughs> I drank that wine and I could still get a hangover. I can tell yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, alcohol, no matter how you how you put it, is going to give you a hangover if yeah. you drink too much. No matter Unless what you do. Unless you're a robot, like my brother-in-law. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> he's Scottish. He's Scottish. Eric. He doesn't listen to this podcast, but he's a machine. He's a full robot, and <laughs> I love him. And but he can drink. And never have a hangover and just get up and be normal. And I'm just like, I don't know what powers you, but in the future we will understand. What else can we learn from yeah, uh, so wine talk? Terms that I, I love to use that I think are helpful that um, re- really I think whatever you taste is correct. I, I find that people are scared to say what they're thinking because mm. they're nervous they're going to say something wrong and look silly. But just talking about it, if, if, it, if you enjoy it, you don't have to, but talking about it uh, – you're you're correct. If you smell it, it's in there. Just enjoy it, and you're, you're never wrong as long as you like tasting it. Um, but some words that I like to use are like lean, acidic, um, and that's something like a Sauvignon Blanc we were talking about earlier. Uh, like a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc is very acidic. It kind of makes like your mouth do that same. Like if you were to eat a Sour Patch Kid, and it makes that like mm. kind of thing with your mouth. That's yeah. high acid. Um, or uh, earthy is another one that I like to use, and that's something like if you're having a Pinot Noir and it smells like dirt, really, mm. <laughs> but but in a really nice way, like Good a dirt. nice of dirt, delicious yeah. dirt, yep, yep, exactly, like wet <laughs> earth kind of. Um, or uh, some weird ones that are really fun; it'll make you sound really smart, even if they're ridiculous. Uh, are uh, fat and flabby at times, so that's if something is like a white wine that's been overly oaked or it's kind of too sweet and there's no acid to balance it. And it's kind of like, it's flabby. It's in your mouth and it's not really, it doesn't taste balanced. It just tastes like kind of sickeningly sweet. Yeah. Or heavy. Yeah. That would be flabby. Um, burnt rubber or barnyard. Those are other good ones. And oh. barnyard is what it sounds like. Uh, if you're in a barn <laughs> and you smell animals, animal poop that's really what it is uh, who goes into a liquor store and says i'm like the barnyard one you you would be surprised that it, it's a typically like a an old burgundy smell that people just go crazy for really They're wildly expensive and it's just um has like a cult following and once you have them, I mean, they are really wonderful wines but barnyard is a term that they use to describe it uh and yeah, it's as strange as it sounds, but it's it's a good description. Once you smell it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Barnyard, not my style, but I love that some people like it. We encourage diversity in our wine tastings. Exactly. But any kind of fruit or berries, uh, blackberries, red berries, apple, uh, fruits are an easy way to start, I think, because we've all had fruit juices before, popsicles, things like that. And if you smell it in there, then that that's fine. That's exactly what it smells like to you. That's nice. I think my go-to is always with a, a light wine is to go, oh, passion fruit. Ooh, I can Ooh, taste it. I- Ooh, passion fruit. I, that makes sense. That's yeah. good. I mean, passion fruit's like super acidic and sour, so that's like a really good example of something that makes your mouth do that thing that uh, Sauvignon Blanc makes your mouth do sometimes. I love that taste. Mm. 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 See, look, now we've got the words. We know what we're doing. And mm-hmm. uh, I feel like we've empowered bride chillers and groom chillers to make positive choices. And, and exactly what you said, Jackie, there are no rights and wrongs. And I think you need to work to your budget, to your preferences, to what you enjoy, know your crowd, know your people, and don't feel pressured and don't listen to bullshit on wedding forums where people are like, you're being cheap, you're being tacky, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Do what makes you happy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Unsubscribe to that rubbish and enjoy yourself. And I, I'm very excited to see where thirstiness goes because I think it's a great idea and I think you're going to be very successful. I'm putting it out there. Thank you. I I hope so. We're really excited to launch. And if anybody is interested and and isn't sure how to start, just send me an email at thirstynest.com. And you can send me an email if you're interested before or after the date or if you have any questions at hello at thirstynest.com. And I do believe we are going to do a little bit of a cheeky offer to celebrate the launch of Thirsty Nest. What are we offering? So we'll be giving anybody who's new to the site a 15% off, which I think is everyone since we're a brand new site. (laughs) (laughs) So 15% off your checkout with the code uh, BrideChilla. Oh, well, that is a very good deal. And your blogs are super helpful. And I'm really looking forward to uh, working with you on a blog for this episode as well, because I would love for you to share some of your uh, guidance via the text formation. Absolutely. Yeah, I would love to. I think that Injecting a little sense of humor and accessibility will re- really helps make something that seems complicated not so complicated because it's really just fun and that's exactly what exactly. Thank you so much, Jackie, and uh, I'm very grateful for your time and expertise. If you have a question, like Jackie said, maybe you've got an alcohol-related question, a bar-related question that mm-hmm. you would like Jackie to perhaps answer in the future. Get in touch. Visit thebridechiller.com. You can leave me a voice message, send me an email, tweet me, Instagram it. You know all the deals. Just contact me in whatever way that you find valuable. Uh, until next week's episode of the Bride Chiller podcast, thanks to everyone subscribing and supporting the show. I love you all. And uh, thank you, Jackie. Thanks so much for having me. Happy days, everyone. The Bride Chilla Podcast, telling chair covers to get fucked since 2014.